Welcome back, everyone. My name is Michael LeBlanc, Senior Portfolio Manager at Canaccord Junior Wealth Management. Thank you again for joining us uh, this week for our live uh, weekly update that we try to keep you informed of everything we saw last week and everything we see coming up uh, and uh, just everything that's going on uh, out there in the economy and market and the world. Uh, and of course, as always, keep in mind everything that we cover on here is for information purposes. Always do your own due diligence or reach out to us at mikeonmoney.com. Always happy to answer your individual questions and uh, how these things might uh, pertain to your particular situation or your portfolio. Uh, and give us our in, give you our insights on, uh, on on what we're seeing out there. So we have a lot to talk about this week. Uh, we're not going to cover too much on COVID. We're going to uh, remove that from our weekly updates. Just uh, we'll introduce it back in as it may uh, impact the economy um, or or outlooks. But uh, but right now uh, the, the the focus rate is mostly on interest rates, uh, inflation, and of course the Ukraine Russian. Uh, war that's going on right now. But with that, let's dive into things. So what we're watching for this week is the US, US trade numbers for February uh, and also looking for the business services uh, PMI for March, Canadian trade for February. And of course, this Thursday, we have the Canadian federal budget coming out. Uh, so we'll, we'll uh, do an update on that for next week uh, after we see what's out there. Most of the things on the table is really what, what we're looking at, at as a post-pandemic tax structure? Is there going to be any change to the personal corporate taxes? Uh, anything that's going to affect your potential estate plans out there uh, or corporate structures that you might have in place? So we'll give you updates on those uh, as we see them come out on, on Thursday and we uh, we get through them Thursday night and uh, we'll have some news on Friday. But if there's uh, anything that you do see out there, particularly uh, do reach out to us. Uh, happy to uh, happy to answer any of your questions after we see uh, after we see those numbers. Uh, the stock market's been a little wavery, a little back and forth over the last few days, uh, especially this morning. Mostly, uh, mostly just on the, the the as I mentioned, the Ukraine war, but also what's going to be happening with. Uh, interest rates. Uh, oil prices did rise this morning. Uh, they dipped a bit below 100, I believe, on Friday, um, but still staying really strong. That's going to continue. We're going to have a bigger in-depth conversation in a few moments here on around oil prices and what our outlook is. Uh, but keep in mind, uh, when, when we're looking at a uh, an inflationary market, energy and materials tend to do well. So we'll, we'll dive in a bit deeper into that. But Keep that in mind. It's going to be a, a common theme we're going to talk about. Um, ahead of the bell, you know, Twitter is in the news. We'll talk a little bit more about this, but it's basically a bit on a run, run up uh, about 27% over the past few days as uh, Elon Musk disclosed that he holds a 9.2% stake in the social media uh, company, obviously making a major shareholder. Uh, and it looks like he'll also be named to the board. Now, that's not necessarily... Uh, uncommon when you have the single largest shareholder, um, you know, obviously a, a candidate for the board, uh, but, uh, but we'll have to see that, how that plays out. Obviously, Elon's famous for uh, using Twitter to send out messages and causing some controversy at times. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how he uh, manages with the uh, with being on the Twitter board, but also being a major shareholder in that company. 
In the commodity space, as I mentioned, oil, oil continued to rise or bounce back after dropping below a uh, $100 barrel and renewed supply fears kind of linked to a lot of the Russian sanctions, but also keep in mind we were going into an energy crunch prior to uh, the uh, Ukraine and Russian war breaking out. Uh, we've seen oil actually pretty much on a steady rise since um, uh, mid to late last year. Uh, also going on out there, obviously with the capital markets being a little bit jittery, uh, private equity is pouncing. Uh, we're seeing a lot of this, a lot of private equity uh, jumping out to, to finance, whether it be tech buyouts, we're also seeing on the mortgage fronts. Uh, we're seeing a lot more movement in the private equity market. Uh, investors are starting to look uh, to private equity uh, as well uh, to, uh, to find, you know, um, more stable investments, just private equity reports differently than the stock markets. So you do not have that constant daily valuations on your private holdings. Uh, of course, you don't have the liquidity you have in, in the liquid markets, but uh, a lot of people start to look at that for returns uh, through this inflationary period. And as we've talked about, you know, potentially, potentially going into a recession and those, those numbers are getting higher and higher as we move, uh, we move closer to Q2. Uh, car makers dream of clean green meat uh, technology for their cars out there uh, are running into some problems. This is not a new story. Of course, everyone, you know, look at electric cars as being a clean alternative to uh, gas running cars, uh, which is true when you think about the operation of it. But uh, there is the challenge of, you know, what goes into the motors, the motor magnets with toxic histories. Batteries are made, uh, uh, you know, with fossil fuel, uh, and the recycling of them are a challenge. Um, car manufacturers are really, really pushing to have their new EV vehicles uh, to be actually cleaner and, and be be what the supply chain wants them to be, uh, and meet all the regulatory uh, requirements and investors' requirements uh, as a green vehicle. That continues to be a bit of a challenge. There are improvements being made out there. Uh, obviously, if, if that's the main driver for, uh, for you to be buying an EV vehicle, uh, you know, you'll have to look at the different uh, manufacturers uh, that you're buying from, where they're getting their supplies and what that looks like. It's, it's, it's going to be an ongoing, uh, ongoing challenge uh, and an ongoing debate and, and topic of conversation for a while. With that wealth news out there, transportation, equipment, uh, machinery is pulling down the U.S. Uh, factory order numbers for February. Uh, we've seen uh, we've seen a lot of new orders for U.S. Uh, U.S. made goods, but they fell a bit in February, uh, likely due to shortage of materials. Of course, we have the continued supply chain issues. We're seeing a bit of service, a shift over to service over manufacturing, uh, as you know, as as that that outlook. Uh, it, you know, becomes a bigger concern, but we still have really low uh, business inventories out there, still uh, still pushing manufacturing numbers. Now, keep in mind, we talked about this last year pre-Ukraine-Russia, pre, um, pre but, uh, you know, we are going to get to this point where things are going to slow. The orders are still going to be in there because businesses are historically not great at predicting these things and will keep trying to replenish their inventories, not really looking out at future demand and will end up in a glut situation. So you go from, you know, zero inventories to too much inventories pretty quickly through these transitions. Uh, so we'll have to keep a really good close eye on those uh, on the supply chain side of things 
to see where you know businesses all of a sudden have an excess quantity of goods uh, and, and and a drop in demand. And and of course, with a rising interest rate market, that's very uh, very possible to happen very quickly. Uh, the uh, the funds out there, so the hedge funds, uh, we've talked quite a bit about their movement. Uh, they got steamrolled a little bit on the steeper yield curve uh, as they make bets as to the movement. We have seen that steepening yield curve. Uh, you know, the two-year and the and the uh, ten-year uh, uh, yields are quickly approaching each other. Uh, and when, if we get that inverted curve, that's where we're looking at, you know, potential pullback in the markets and, and, and potential recession. Uh, so those, you know, those numbers we're looking uh, really closely. Uh, we do track, uh, you know, about uh, 50 different indicators along that, uh, along that yield curve. Uh, you know, and currently I think we're sitting around 30 or showing inversion. So, you know, as that number rises, the likelihood of that recession uh, gets bigger and bigger. Uh, prosecutor urges jury to convict, uh, convict uh, ex-Goldman uh, banker in a brazen uh, one uh, MDB scheme. So if you don't haven't followed this, we talked a bit about it last year. Malaysia set up this uh, uh, sovereign wealth fund, uh, one MDB, uh, to invest and help uh, the, the Malaysian economy, help Malaysian uh, uh, create jobs, uh, and the fund disappeared, right? Like all the money that was uh, put in there were basically funneled through different invest, uh, investments, uh, really causing damage and, and losing billions of dollars uh, for their economy. Uh, and Goldman and ex Goldman Sachs bankers involved on in all this, and they're really pushing hard for a, uh, a, a hard conviction, some jail time, uh, just due to the amount of harm that was done uh, with that fund. Global insurers are planning to ramp up their private equity investment. Uh, so this is just the trend that we're seeing uh, with all investors, but the insurance companies are actually out there looking for private equity investments as well uh, as they see continued rise inflation uh, coming for the next year or two um, and that effect on uh, the, the monetary policy that they're going to see out of the U.S. Fed. So you'll probably see us talk a bit more about private equity investments over the next little while. Uh, this is definitely an area if you're not familiar with, do reach out to us because private equity, as I mentioned, does vary in liquidity dependent on your situation, you know, how much exposure you might want to have to it, how much exposure you don't want to have to it. Make sure you're reaching out to us to talk to us about, uh, about your situation uh, before you jump into private equity investments. Uh, KKR, um, you know, can't confirm a KKR private equity company out there looking to uh, potentially buy uh, Telecom Italia, uh, but they can't talk too much more about their bid until they're finished their due diligence. So they're waiting, waiting for the telecom company to open their books uh, and let them have a, uh, a look at those numbers so they can firm up their bid uh, and get that deal moving forward. So with that, let's take a look at what's going on this week. Uh, coming up in the U.S., as mentioned, uh, we're looking at the trade numbers. Uh, we're looking for pretty good trade numbers um, for February. It did surge to, a, to an all-time high in January, so probably coming off those highs, but still quite strong. Uh, the, the Institute for Supply Management expected to show uh, its non-manufacturing activity index to have rose in March uh, after reaching a pretty good number of 56.5 in the previous month. Uh, and the S&P 5, or, sorry, the S&P Global U.S. Manufacturer PMI number for March is also scheduled to release this week. 
The, the Fed Reserve in New York is, uh, is expected to participate in a, a discussion around the health of the economy. This, is, this goes back to the U.S. Fed and, and the state Feds really looking to uh, have this balance between inflation, interest rates, and that workforce. If, if you've been out of the house at all in the last year, you know that the workforce is struggling. People, are, uh, companies are having a hard time hiring, uh, especially in, in certain area pockets like the service industry, uh, labor shortages everywhere, um, really uh, driving, uh, driving costs up to uh, try to get workers in and to get them to stay. Um, so, you know, the, the U.S., the Fed uh, and the economic heads around the world are uh, looking how they're going to balance this, how they're going to manage that soft land. And they're still kind of hoping for, but the odds are getting weaker and weaker. And really what we're starting to see is that chance of that recession hit higher aggressive interest rates in, in a short period of time. That's going to solve the the uh, the, the work shortage because we're going to get to, uh, we could very well get to a point where, you know, as I said, the, uh, the, the supply chain will, will catch up as demand drops off. Uh, we'll see uh, uh, manufacturing, we'll see the, the, you know, those, the, the, the high, the low unemployment rate, the high hiring rates start to, to slow down or turn over quite quickly. Uh, incomes will start to, to you know, the, the growth in income levels will start to, to level off and, and drop a little bit. That's going to bring down inflation, of course. So we might come full circle uh, to next year where we will be coming out of a potential recession. Now, that being said, I don't want to scare anyone. I don't want you to think that that's a bad thing. Uh, there's still two possible scenarios that we're going to come out of this is one is the soft land and one is the recession. Uh, but both in both cases, what we're looking for is about a 10% drop in the, in the market right now. It is a bit overvalued. Uh, all the measures we look at are, are telling us that this rally that we've seen is a bit premature. Uh, we're looking for roughly that 10% pullback. That will be a buy-in opportunity. And it doesn't matter what scenario. Historically, what we see when we see that 10% pullback is... Uh, we, we see a rally. We see the, 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 a rally off the bottom. When that rally starts to happen, that's when we have to start to decide whether we're going recession or a, 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 a soft landing. If it's a soft landing, that rally should continue. If, uh, if it's recession, we'll see another pullback, retesting those lows, uh, and then a, a projected, uh, projected sorry, um, uh, go move into a bull market after uh, we get through the recession. So that's what we're really looking for. Uh, the feds are out there trying to figure out how uh, they can manufacture that, that soft landing and, uh, and keep it very, very short. Uh, Brazil's composite uh, service uh, index uh, for March is due to be released this week as well. So we'll keep a look at that as an indication on the emerging markets uh, health. Uh, as I mentioned, in the U.S., uh, Musk took a 9% uh, stake in Twitter and became its top shareholder. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. J.P. Morgan, interestingly, uh, is warning of a potential $1 billion loss due to the uh, to what's going on in Russia and all the sanctions that are going on there. Uh, we'll probably see this from a lot of banks in different, different exposures at different levels. Uh, Obviously, uh, you know, if you're looking and investing in the financial sector, you know, trying to get a sense of how much exposure they do have to the Ukraine and Russia, 
uh, will be an important indicator as to uh, how uh, how their stock is going to perform over the next few months. Uh, Exxon signaling a record quarterly profit, not a big surprise there on the oil and gas prices. Uh, we're looking at them, uh, you know, hopefully pumping out about 9.6, billion uh, in profits uh, over the quarter. Uh, so, you know, again, the energy story remains strong. Uh, we still like Exxon, it's still in our portfolios. Uh, Starbucks uh, interim CEO has just announced a halt to their stock buyback and the shares fell on that news. Um, really, you know, stepping into the role, he's just kind of uh, shoring everything up, getting getting a better look at the health of the of the uh, supply chain, uh, trying to see what direction they want to go. So it doesn't mean they might not reinstitute the stock buyback, uh, but they they just want to slow things down while they uh, they restructure uh, their senior management. Uh, on other news stories that we followed in the past, Truth Social, uh, if you remember that, that's Donald Trump's or uh, Trump's. Yeah, uh, Twitter competition, I guess, that was uh, was supposed to launch. Um, it was supposed to launch earlier this year. Uh, then they had a, a failed takeoff. Uh, it was supposed to, um, you know, go full throttle uh, March 31st. That obviously didn't happen. And uh, two of the senior um, the senior execs uh, ha have quit uh, on that. Basically. Um, uh, no real reason behind it, but kind of walked away from it, and they made an announcement that, of course, uh, it's it's not going to uh, it's not going to be launched uh, on time or or with the features that they originally uh, had hoped to. So, where that leads, uh, I, I you know I couldn't tell you, but you know when they first did their SPAC, uh, their their, uh, their their IPO SPAC uh, back in the day. We did kind of mention that uh, we would suspect that there's this would be a very difficult feat to pull off to come out with a product comparable to something like uh, Twitter that's uh, been out and, and established for a long time and been built over time to launch something that's uh, that intricate and, and involved in such a short period of time. So with that, let's talk a little bit about currencies. So the U.S. dollar has gained a little bit, uh, obviously, with the last meeting being more, you know, signaling more aggressive interest rates. That bodes well for the U.S. dollar. But I'll talk a little bit about the Canadian dollar. So Canadian dollar has been on a pretty good rally. I think we're peaking around 79 cents right now. Uh, we do have an outlook for about 82 uh, because, as I mentioned, we are looking at a bit of volatility. We're, we're looking at, uh, you know, an, un, an uncertain market. And Canada is being viewed as the stable option out there. So if you look at what's going on around the world, Canada looks really good. We have our own resources. Uh, we're a good place to buy resources from. So as you see other uh, countries, uh, you know, potentially having to find alternative sources to Ukraine or Russia uh, for, the, for the resource needs. Uh, Canada is stable. We have a good currency. Uh, believe it or not, the world looks at us that we have a good stable government. Uh, so, you know, it, it, is a, it is a good, healthy spot to, uh, to look uh, for risk. So, you know, normally we're very global on our uh, investment policies and in our portfolios. Uh, we are turning more heavily to the Canadian side of things uh, for all those reasons. And on top of that, the Canadian dollar, you know, uh, is holding in well. And as long as the Canadian uh, Bank, uh, the Bank of Canada keeps uh, their monetary policy, so the interest rates in step with the US, 
uh, we should continue to, uh, our dollar should continue to trade on the strength of the, of the oil price, uh, which, as I mentioned, uh, we really like for the uh, for the near term and, and longer term for this year. So with both those things in play, Canada becomes a variable, uh, a good favorable uh, currency. We still think we'll probably top out around 82, 83 cents, uh, you know, against the U.S. dollar, uh, but still a bit more strength in the Canadian dollar to the U.S. as the U.S. stays strong as well. The euro's uh, likely to stay, you know, weak um, as new sanctions go against Russia, uh, which is really driving up their energy prices. So all the inflation we're seeing here, uh, Europe is seeing even even heavier because uh, their, their their reliance on those uh, those resources from Russia and Ukraine, and as the prices uh, spike up even faster there due to more scarcity overseas. So uh, really, the currency plays Canada, U.S. Uh, and Canada, obviously, a bit more room for growth there. As I mentioned before, the bonds, uh, we're definitely seeing the flattening of that curve with the 10-year rising to 2.42 uh, and the two-year note uh, rising to 2.44, um, you know, keeping that inversion uh, really tight uh, and uh, looking more and more like we can slip into a recession. On the commodity front, as I mentioned on the, on the oil side, really what we're looking for, obviously we have the Russia-Ukraine thing, but let's take that out for a moment. Uh, yes, that is weakening supplies uh, globally, uh, but we were, we, we were short supply and short inventory before that, and that's the underlying trend that uh, we, see, uh, we see playing out here. That will continue. Obviously, there's going to be a little bit of movement on the price on the uh, on what's going on in, in Russia and Ukraine. We might see some spikes. We might see a little bit of pullback. But really, that underlying trend is still strong. Inventories are nowhere near where they need to be to, to have that price uh, really start to weaken again. So until we get into a situation where the inventories uh, are building up, Oil is still is still a good uh, still a good trade over the over the longer term. Uh, gold uh, was flat earlier in European trading. Uh, again, we're looking at the material sector uh, still strong, still still an opportunity there with the with high uh, high interest rates. So with that, if you have any questions, uh, do reach out to us at michaelmoney.com. Don't forget to uh, you can listen to all our replays uh, in podcast form. Uh, or also uh, you can replay this at any time uh, on YouTube. Uh, and if you have any questions about a risk play, so an equity play for the next little while, do reach out to us. Like I said, there's a lot going on. Uh, if you want to stay risk on through all this, there's uh, certain areas to focus on. Uh, we can help you with that and help you with research. With that, thank you, everyone. Talk to you again soon. Thank you. Bye-bye.